What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. Andrew Steinwald is the managing partner of Sifermion, an investment firm focused on the NFT ecosystem. All opinions expressed by Andrew and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Sifermion. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Sifermion or related entities may maintain positions in the assets discussed in this podcast. My guest today is Dilip Das, who is a former high-frequency trader who is now building something new in Web3. On this episode, we chat about Dilip's insane background playing poker, being a high-frequency trader, working with Jed McCaleb at Stellar. For those who don't know, Jed is the founder of Mt. Gox and Ripple. We chat market structure and how to generate edge, algorithmic NFT trading, how Web3 games will have to battle against advanced bots, how NFTs are the real estate of the metaverse, and the potential for NFT lending markets. For all those who want to learn about market structure, alpha, HFT, and more, please enjoy my conversation with Dilip. Dilip, thank you so much for joining me today. Super excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Hey, of course, Andrew, anytime. Um, I uh, uh, appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, so background, um, I can I could really start anywhere. Um, how far back would you want to start? Let's let's hear like after college. What, what, what was your first gig? Yeah, okay. Okay, so just... Um, yeah, so just uh, a little bit of, of lead up. So I, you know, my first um, kind of career foray was in algorithmic trading. This is back in 2007 in kind of like the, um, you know, the, I would say that the glory years for, um, you know, prop trades, um, you know, on electronic venues. Um, a little bit before that had been kind of like the, the very advent of that. And one of the firms that pioneered um, kind of algorithmic market making is Getco. And so, um, you know, I found myself in a fortunate position, um, you know, coming out of MIT, I'd studied math um, and, uh, you know, with, with a bit of economics and computer science. But, um, you know, the, the thing that really pushed it over the edge was, was kind of random, which is that, you know, I basically spent my last two years at MIT playing online poker. And I, you know, I uh, amassed something like a six six figure um, gross win in that period, and um, this got me on the radar actually through some uh, just fortunate slash lucky, um, you know, mutuals from my network um, uh, into some you know some some top tier trading firms, um, and ended up uh, joining up with Getco, and at that time, I, you know, I had. This was like, you know, looking, this is always one of those things where looking back on it now, it sounds a lot different than it felt at the time. Um, at that time, you know, these, this, this world is extremely kind of um, secretive. There's no information out there. Michael Lewis hasn't written Flash Boys. And it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of like completely um, opaque world. So you're, you know, you're half thinking these guys are running a boiler room. Um, but, uh, you know, after, you know, just seeing kind of uh, um, the, the passion they had, not just for, for markets and, and, you know, them as individuals, um, you know, but uh, in particular, the founder, Dan Tierney, um, who I actually still work with today, uh, kind of expressed this, um, this thought, this idea of, you know, capital markets you know, the, the liquidity transference in capital markets being kind of a core function 
of um, sort of uh, kind of financial infrastructure that was um, enabling um, basically all forms of assets to um, develop and grow. And I, I hadn't really thought about um, markets in, in a, you know, uh, in, in any kind of a framework like this. Um, but, you know, in, in that sense, we were definitely, you know, Getco, it seemed more than other firms in the space was trying to um, really uh, t take an approach that had a, had a guiding North Star as opposed to just we want to make as much money as possible. It was we want to make markets, make the cost of, of you know, every, every market participant to trade as small as possible um, from retail and on up. So um, that, that, was pretty, that was pretty exciting to me. And then, of course, you know, just, just um, sort of the challenge. Um, I'd always been interested in games. And, um, you know, since I had an NES at, at age three, and um, I, um, you know, the, the idea of, you know, thinking about um, the market in more of a, um, you know, the, the sense of like a, a modeling problem and a competitive one where, you know, you're competing against quantum traders, um, some of the smartest, you know, uh, folks out of schools like MIT and, 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 and others all around the world, um, you know, trying to kind of um, incrementally be uh, more intelligent and, and faster with executions. So, you know, that the whole, the, the math part of it, the game three part of it, it, it was just like perfect. And, um, you know, just really fortunate, lucky timing as well. Um, to, to find myself in that position at that time, because this was really when electronic markets were, were really starting to take off from their nascent phase. And you were seeing more and more asset classes being, you know, primarily uh, traded electronically as opposed to, um, you know, on, on, the, on the pit and um, globally as well. You know, a new, a new exchange would come up in, in Chile and, you know, we, we would be there day one, um, you know, trading, you know, uh, a large, you know, something like half, half the volume, right? And um, for, for very, you know, substantial margins. Um, so we kind of had a formula that just, just worked. And um, we were kind of just taking over the world um, as, as it was moving into this new paradigm. And Dan really saw that paradigm shift. So um, very, very exciting years um, at, at GetCo between uh, 2007 and the end of 11. Um, and um, yeah, so as, as with everything, you know, those, those markets started to get, um, you know, uh, the, the picture started to change very, very fast, you know, as quickly as it started, it, it was, it was shifting. Um, uh, think things were getting, um, extremely competitive, um, and, and to the point where, um, you know, for, for the most, um, uh, kind of what had been traditionally, uh, kind of the most liquid venues, um, you know, things like cash equities and cash FX, the flow was getting, um, kind of obfuscated. It wasn't really trading, um, in um, in sort of like a public um, manner, right? You would have um, kind of dark pools and um, kind of a you know sort sort of a, a, a lot more activity that was kind of um, uh, being shielded from 
visibility in the public market, and then it would kind of just um, hit the market discreetly. And so, you know, in addition to sort of the, these, um, this internalization of order flow that was happening, you know, across various um, really um, more mature markets, um, you were also seeing the level of competition um, across the space way at a way higher level. So, um, you know, a lot of the, in, in the early, uh, in the earlier days, um, our our tech edge um, was was really starting to get um, thinner. Um, you know, in in these types of trades, it's it's very important that um, you're able to offset your risk um, in uh, in a way where you're actually you know capturing edge on um, on removal trades. And a lot of that was getting very competitive with firms like you know um, Jump Citadel. Uh, DRW, um, on and on, a very, very long list of, of firms, HRT, just kind of uh, uh, had had caught up in that aspect and were potentially, you know, ahead in some others. And so we found ourselves kind of on the defensive and in decline. And at the same time, you know, the firm had uh, grown to a, a very big size. And I, uh, you know, 400 people from when I started at, you know, uh, around 100. So, um, we didn't really have the, um, you know, we, we weren't um, nimble enough to to, to kind of um, make make the the moves and the changes that we we would need to to stay competitive. And so I saw the ability to do this um, kind of myself um, with you know with a, a small team of, of co-founders and uh, taking some approaches to trading that um, we were you know um, you know we 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 were potentially not. Um, you know, not ready to, to take as with the size of the ship that we were looking to move. Um, so that that led me into starting Eclipse. That was, uh, you know, a, a prop shop. Uh, we traded futures uh, um, based out of Chicago, um, you know, uh, and uh, we uh, had, you know, uh, initially we saw a set of trades that kind of had, we were, we believed um, had the market was not looking at the right way and we, we saw a better way to do it. And so, you know, particularly in um, fixed income and cash equities, we, um, uh, we, we were able to find um, some, some consistent and sustained edge um, in the futures markets, no less, which are extremely competitive. Um, you know, it, this was back in 13 and 14. So we were able, you know, initially we had a, a, a backer, um, or, you know, basically an investor in, um, you know, in, in our trading, we were able to buy them out within a year and then go independent. And then we um, continued to have some success after that. But, um, you know, again, you know, around uh, the end of 16, early 17, um, we started to, you know, even even this this um, these edges that we had found were, were really starting to come under attack. Um, and we were, um, you know, we, we were uh, kind of um, struggling to um, to stay consistently profitable. And so, um, you know, at that time, I, I thought, um, you know, I was able to find a consistent. Sorry, I was able to find a consistent or a, a scalable exit for our um, kind of for our team and our tech stack um, by uh, exiting into crypto and. Uh, you know, we, we were considering things uh, in sort of crypto hedge funds, looking for executions and also for executing capabilities and also things like, um, 
you know, uh, DEXs and, and uh, folks thinking about kind of market structure and simulation. And we were able to find a fit at Stellar. Um, and so um, basically, you know, uh, after after series of conversations, we actually, um, you know, uh, Interstellar, which is a, a for-profit that operates um, in the Stellar ecosystem, uh, basically brought me on board, acquired our tech, and, um, you know, so that was, that was uh, you know, the best exit I could find for my guys at the time, which was, you know, probably the top thing I was optimizing for. Um, and, you know, I worked... Uh, worked for them for a couple of years, um, you know, both in both in trading um, related side, uh, the trading side of things and also the protocol side, you know, very, very interesting. You know, Stellar itself is also very interesting um, to, to talk about in a couple of ways. Um, one, one is that, you know, this is this is the uh, the the initial this is this is, um, you know, DeFi, uh, you know, 0.5, basically. Right. You know, they they. Um, pioneered the idea of having um, kind of uh, on-chain uh, order books in decentralized manner back in 2015. And you've seen kind of, um, you know, in incarnations uh, of, of this, um, you know, cropping up in, in more recent times. This is also, uh, you know, um, one of the, the you know, I, I think a lot of folks, um, particularly with um, trading or TradFi background um, like to see the space this way. And this is one of the ways that um, SBF actually got his start in crypto in a big way was, um, you know, making making a, a, um, a big play on Stellar. And so, um, you know, uh, it, it's been kind of interesting to see the evolution of this, this idea. And now, of course, um, you know, Jed um, didn't really buy into the whole... Um, Kind of like smart smart contracts view of the world in the Turing complete sense. Um, he did, he didn't think it made sense. He thought more of this is like sort of a, a single purpose like kind of trading exchange sort of um, generalizing this idea of you know um, trustless payments to um, you know tr trustless uh, trading of all of all digital assets, right? And so um, that seems like a very clear extension in a way. Um, whereas this idea of you know, world computer and everyone's duplicating the same computation, like didn't really make sense. Um, so, so that was, um, that, that was, you know, at, at that, you know, it, it, at that point, and we've seen sort of things evolve um, since then. Um, so then around 19, you know, the handcuffs from that um, came off. Um, and since then I've been, uh, you know, thinking about it or, I'd been, you know, kind of uh, exploring DeFi more in the Ethereum ecosystem, and um, have had been, you know, kind of um, around in the DeFi summer era, um, and you know, now more more as like a um, as like a you know investor than um, you know than as a um, you know as like a as a DGen, um, but. Um, and and then you know also also um, you know kind of uh, bridge that um, to um, discovering NFTs about um, let's see a little later than this time last year and uh, got got pretty deep into that space um, and then you know for the last uh, 10 11 months I've been working with 
uh, with Dan. Um, you know, Dan now runs a, a venture fund it's called uh, Wicklow Capital, um, uh, which I can I can talk about um, more. But um, you know, I'm working as an EIR there. So one of the thing one of the themes that I've I've seen very you know consistently over all of these experiences is that um, you know mar- markets are unnecessarily inequitable and um, you know uh, re- really in in all incarnations this bit this has been true um, you know you, you can see it certainly in in terms of like um, in terms of market executions and and you know um, HFT um, and kind of sophisticated various levels of trading sophistication, but you also see it in sort of um, you know in sort of funding and, and capitalization of, of firms and, and exits. You know, it, it just um, the the TradFi system it it really you know lends to um, kind of um, only this very select. Um, set of participants that have the best access and the best pedigree, you know, getting the most the most competitive um, seed series A, B um, deals, and then just parlaying that for for in, an incredible winner um, at you know at a very outsized expected rate of return, and so um, and, and you're seeing it you know in in the number of rounds increasing, so you're basically you know, getting into a round where you, you know, you know, as, as, you know, Sequoia Andreessen, um, you're, you're getting into, into a series uh, C or D with almost uh, an assurance that the company is going to be raising the next round higher. And um, that's, you know, that's not something that um, your, your retail investor can really take part in. And then of course, at the end of this whole thing, there's an IPO and uh, so retail is kind of left holding the bag on it. And so I've, I've seen this, you know, and, and um, may, maybe this, the experience from this is um, relating to some of my time in the Valley. So through, through some of this period, uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time was, um, you know, uh, around 2012, 2013 is running um, a white combinator startup. And so um, I would I'd spend a good amount of time, you know, in the Bay, um, and uh, sort of in in that culture and and, and seeing um, how folks were thinking about um, sort of that that form of um, kind of investing and uh, so yeah so that um, that that really has continued this sort of um, inequity in markets and it's true in crypto as well um, you know and, and so this is something that I um, you know, at this point, I, I, I actually really um, w- want to start thinking about this as a builder and on ways to um, make sure that we don't suffer from some of the same problems in capitalism. You know, what would, you know, I, I would term. So we, we talk about Web 3 versus Web 2. Um, you know, uh, you know, at Wicklow, we talk about capitalism 3 um, and versus capitalism 2. And it's it's clear you know, I've, I've highlighted some of the problems with capitalism too. And so thinking about as, as we're emerging into capitalism three, um, looking to make sure that, um, you know, the, the, the game is, the game is, um, you know, is, is 
is more balanced and also safe enough for mass adoption, which is really something that we're um, seeing, we're feeling stretched thin on at the moment. Um, so, so that's one. And the other thing I'll say is I've, I've also always, you know, at, at least, um, you know, um, there, there is that uh, video on, on um, SBF and how he, um, you know, uh, was, uh, you know, had, had been extremely, you know, uh, was valued at 20 something billion and um, had, had been extremely successful, but, you know, drove a, drove a Toyota Corolla and um, sort of like a, a, a bit on his philanthropy. And um, I, I think there's, there's something to that, right? I, I haven't really, um, I, I know that for a lot of this era, um, even even post trading success, I, I kind of there were era there were periods where I just I didn't drive a car at all, and um, I, I do think that there's um, you know for, for me I've taken a little bit of a different flavor on it like versus being like okay um, let's um, let, let, let's try to to um, you know maximize our um, our, our, uh, our valuation or our net worth and then, um, donate back. Um, I, I kind of want to take more of this approach of, of white hat alpha is what I'll call it, which is, um, you know, of course, white, white hat and crypto, um, uh, you know, we, we probably know. So to, to use kind of your, your hacking skills to, to basically, uncover exploits to benefit the, the, the ecosystem. But similarly in trading, right, there's, you know, you, you can use alpha um, in, in ways that kind of um, maximize your own personal return. But I'm, I'm, I've been sort of um, interested in finding ways to kind of democratize that and, um, you know, uh, another way of, of sort of leveling the playing field. Um, that's just been kind of uh, this this evolution that's been over the past couple of years. So yeah, does that is that uh, uh, around what you're looking for? Anything you want to drill into? No. Okay. So I mean, th that was incredible. Okay. So to to recap, MIT online poker, we were crushing that. Went to Getco, which for my for my understanding is one of the first high frequency trading shops ever. Is that are they one of the first? Yeah, that's okay. right. Ninety nine. Okay, and then and then leverage that to your own prop shop, which was Eclipse. That was acquired by Stellar. Then after Stellar, you moved to uh, Wicklow Venture Capital. And uh, you know during this period, you are kind of exploring DeFi and really exploring NFTs on a, on a deeper level, just crypto broadly. So is, is that like a, a nice sum up? That's, that's a great sum up. Amazing, okay, so incredible background. And you know to, to dig deeper into, into a few things, could you explain to me like what is high frequency trading? Because I always hear about it and I've read you know, uh, the, the, I read the books and I kind of, you know, know broadly people trading very quickly, but like, how, how does it work? Like, uh, am I, am I, you know, researching, uh, getting really fast internet, uh, and then, you know, connecting to the exchanges and then writing bots to like trade again and again, like, how, like, how does it work from a, from a level that yeah. I can understand? Yeah. If, I mean, if, if you're, if you're a basement trader, you might, you might be doing something like that. And that's, that's a good, that's a great, like, intuition for, for where I think a lot of people start. Um, but at the, you know, at, you know, at the top tier firm level, it's, um, it's a, it, it's a, it's a very competitive, um, kind of interplay of hardware, uh, optimization, networking optimization, software optimization. 
and um, and then also QuantStack, which I'm going to separate from software. Um, so, th so the the technology stack involved is is very large, and and usually also the capital required um, to be able to get um, you know the the level of exchange memberships and to, to actually fund the trades. Um, it, it can be large depending on the trading strategy. Now, um, what, what? Okay, so so the question is, what what is HFT? So, um, you know, generally speaking, in order in order to be in HFT, that means that your your strategy has at least some amount of uh, tech edge, or the 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 edge of the strategy is is significantly comprised of of tech. And so those sort of those um, facets that that I that I mentioned are are sort of the inputs to that, and it could be coming from some some or all of these some some weighting of these um but um generally speaking you are going to want to be uh co-located uh at the exchange um so uh tradfi exchanges have data centers and um at the data center there is the matching engine and that is where basically um the orders are uh, placed on the order book and matched. And so, you know, as you can imagine, if you're trying to optimize for things like, you know, tick, tick to trade time. Um, so in, in other words, from a market update coming out of the exchange to your order being, you know, to, to your order being, um, you know, get, getting back, well, it, it, this would be on the wire to the exchange. But the, these these wire distances are you know in meters, so it, it's really to, to your order getting back to the matching engine. Um, so if you're if you're optimizing for that, you want to be co-located, and um, so you can imagine there's a bunch of additional kind of network and hardware optimizations to to really be able to do that. Um, also some sort of um, uh, sort of like kernel bypass, you know, thinking about the Linux kernel, thinking about like, how does your software stack actually do this stuff, you know, to get down to like the level of, um, you know, low single digit microseconds is, is what we're talking about um, to, to be competitive in this, you know, in this era. Um, and it's it's probably, you know, honestly, since I've left, it's, it's probably only gotten more competitive than that. But um then, but the, a big component of it too is also cross co-location data, right? Because um, a, a lot of, you know, the data that's coming out of, let's say you're trading on the CME, the data that's coming out of the CME is, um, yes, um, th there is going to be um, uh, interrelation between different assets on the CME, but uh, your ability to your, your everyone that is trading CME has the same access to that data, and so you're not you're, you're not likely to find as much unique edge by just doing CME to CME trades or you know like th things that would be sort of arbitrage like um, or relative value like as you would if you were to incorporate data from let's say the Nasdaq in New York if you're trading you know maybe if you're trading uh, equity futures. Um, so you're trading the, the NASDAQ future in Chicago, the NASDAQ, um, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, triple Qs 
uh, is the equity ticker in New York. Now you really care about the transmission of data from New York to Chicago. And so, you know, this, this, um, it's gotten incredibly competitive. Whereas, you know, when, when I first started at GetCo, people had, um, you know, people were, were using fiber cables. Um, you know, uh, if, if you were, um, if you were, uh, sophisticated, um, so sort of, you know, fiber optic lines and you, that evolved to dark fiber, which, you know, with, with the index of reflect refraction of, of light, it would get you like 62% of the speed of light. And then in like 2011, you know, a, a bunch of firms figured out that you could broadcast, um, you know, if you, if you transmit a microwave signal through the air, um, you can get, you know, to 92% of the speed of light, but in order that doesn't have the range to, to span this distance, you need to actually like basically set up towers at like a couple mile intervals from Chicago to New York and basically broadcast, um, these signals and retransmit it in FPGA. So it's just, it just, um, is is uh, not adding too much latency to this whole process, and b basically, um, you know, if you if you do that, you get your your noticeably faster, you know, a couple milliseconds faster. So th this is like just an idea of like what what it takes to compete against firms that are purely going for tech edge. Now that that's not all HFT. Um, there's certainly, you know, kind of firms that focus much more on on just a pure quant type um, type of edge um, that that haven't been like historically, you know, like like the fastest. Um, and, um, you know, like but but even even those firms have, you know, uh, have, I think have generally found that uh, you, you need to care about the tech edge to, to be competitive. Um, so what does it look like as, as an actual trade? Um, there's there's a bunch of different categories. There's just sort of, um, you know, uh, straight arbitrage, which would be like, you know, you, you have sort of a mirrored asset. You can imagine like in, in, in our world, it would be like, well, in, in, our, in our NFT world, maybe it'd be like open seat to looks, right? You, you'd have like um, an, an asset that would be, very similar or identical. Um, maybe it would be a future versus versus a cash instrument on on two uh, on two exchanges, and um, you would see um, a trade on exchange uh, A, and you would um, buy B at a relative discount. Right, you would be fast enough to be able to do that. So that would be like, you know, latency arbitrage is kind of like the most tech edgy, um, least maybe. Um, on, on sort of the quant axis version of this, um, you know, to, to things that are doing much more like, you know, deep, deep learning ML and like maybe they're, they're thinking about slightly longer time scales and um, they're, you know, not, they're not hedged at all. They're, they're kind of like capturing more, more of a statistical edge. Um, and that would be kind of at the, at the other side of HFT. Um, and of course, there's a lot of different kind of risk models and, and strategies that you could do there in terms of like portfolios as well, as opposed to just thinking about it as a single asset. But um, does, is that kind of like, is, is that uh, kind of cover it or? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that, that covers that. I, I, um, I, I, I'm 
I have a, I have a small brain, so I, I like to have uh, the the explanations high level, and I think that you 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 did did a nice mixture of high level mixed with some, <laughs> some more technical things, which is good. It's too good because there's people that listen to this podcast a lot smarter than me, so they they, they will they will kind of know all all, all the uh, nitty gritty there. But but anyways, no, I I loved it. Thank you for that. So okay, so so broadly, do you have any thoughts on TradFi entering the crypto world and what that means for the dynamics of the market? Because you were mentioning before how the current market structure is kind of stacked against retail in the sense that you know these top firms they get they get the best deals whether it be through venture or on the HFT side which is the opposite end of that spectrum it's like they have they invested in all their infrastructure and they have the co-location and they, you know all, everything right and so uh, those firms are, are like impossible to compete with so um, yeah do you think that tradfi entering crypto will make crypto kind of in a similar way that the traditional markets are now or do you think that the, I don't know somehow we're going to be able to make the crypto markets more democratized and more accessible to everyone? Yeah, this is this is uh, really really something that's um, been bothering me in you know as as I think about um, crypto markets and as we're as as we you know are are, are calling you know this uh, paradigm web three you know it it's it does seem like we're at risk of going down some paths that are, you know, less, less democratized. And it's, it is, it is also very clear that because the, um, the edges, whether they're edges just in terms of, you know, uh, latency and intel, you know, speed and intelligence is, is, you know, we were, we were just discussing, or if they're edges in terms of like access or if they're, um, edges more in terms of um, like uh, uh, so, so like uh, being basically being able to um, understand DeFi 2.0 and like um, protocol risk and, and collect, um, you know, basically DeFi uh, DGen type edges. Um, it's clear that you know the stacking of these edges, um, or or NFT edges, right? You know, um, look at like you know uh, Punks OTC, or you know look, look at some of these some of these firms that are you know start, starting to build algos for for NFT trading. Um, it's it's just clear that the stacking of these edges is. Um, far greater as a, as a return, um, to the, to the, you know, to the average, um, you know, unsophisticated investor than even in TradFi, right. Um, probably, probably by, you know, by far, like by a multiple. Um, so, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're unsophisticated retail person is like, okay, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna buy buy ETH and it, you know, and and maybe maybe I'll stake it. Um, it. It just seems like, yeah, there there's a risk of there's a risk of things being quite um, quite uh, inequitable here. And so I I do think there's a few ways to you know to sort of uh, combat this, and it, and it likely has to come from um, from retail uh, and like you know from because this is this has really been since the beginning a retail driven movement right and 
um, you know, all of crypto is. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, tr these, um, sort of TradFi, um, quant firms and, and VCs are all, um, a bit later to the game. And, and so, so now they're starting to, they're, they're starting to dominate certain aspects and assert themselves. Um, but, you know, for, for example, right. In the evolution of, of DeFi, right. One, one thing that I think has been, um, been huge is, is the AMM concept, um, in, in terms of sort of democratization. And so, um, you know, in, in, in this, you know, in, in this mechanism, right. Anyone can be, anyone can be a market maker. Anyone can be a get -go, right. Um, even if they're a small percentage, um, you, you have the ability to, to participate in the market on a much more even playing field. Now, of course, layer one exploits and, and so on, but, um, you know, there's, there's still a, a lot to be said for, for models like these. And they, you know, while I think most people that come from a background like mine would kind of scoff at this model, um, because it, it, you know, it clearly has issues with price discovery. Um, I do think that an evolution of this type of model is what, what we want to, what we want to shoot for rather than just build, you know, like trying to create, um, HFT on chain. Right. Um, you know, like, I, I think it's natural for, for, for us, meaning like fo folks, folks that are, are coming from, you know, uh, from, from quant trading, you know, jump Alameda, et cetera, to think, oh, well, you know, the, the limit as blockchain performance approaches centralized is we just, we just have tried five, right? <laughs> we just said, we just have on chain order books. And this looks, looks the exact same. The problem with Ethereum is it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't support, it doesn't support essentially, you know, a, lim a limit order book. And so like, Solana is just the answer, right? And um, I, I think that you know that that type of reasoning is is not one that I you know I I would like to see play out from a from a market um, you know equitability standpoint. Um, so that would be one. And then of course on the fundraising side, I think you know um, thinking about um, alignment, you know it's 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 tough. And you know as I'm I'm uh, you know, a founder myself and thinking about, um, you know, uh, fundraising and things in this, in this space. Um, it, it, it is, it is tough to turn down the allure of, of, you know, big name VCs if, if you can get them. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, folks like Paradigm are looking to deploy, you know, billions, right. To, to 2.5 billion, uh, Andreessen's going to be, you know, looking to deploy, you know, upwards of that. Right. And so, you know, to, to keep kind of, um, responsible allocations and token weightings for, um, you know, for, for certain aligned participants is it's, it's going to be, it, it is tough. It's very tough as a founder to, to find that balance. But, um, I think it's something that we need to, um, think about very carefully, um, in, in order to, you know, kind of mitigate, um, the same inequity that we're seeing in, in TradFi with, with the IPO system. All right. So what are your thoughts on the NFT markets? I, I guess just broadly as a market, 
you know, what do you think about them? Like, are we in a bubble? Do they make sense? Just kind of general thoughts there. And then moving forward, do you think that the NFT markets will get like, you know, HFTified, you know, and just kind of dominated by quants and, and things, things like that? Or do the nature of being unique assets, do you think that that's not really going to happen? Yeah. Um, so NFTs, NFTs, are we in a bubble? Um, I, you know, I, I tend to think that uh, it, it does, it does feel a little bit like, um, like, like dot com era or like ICO um, twenty seventeen era in crypto, where like, you know, you, you've you've got a lot of things that are are, are probably going to be worth worth less than they are in the future. Like things don't, it, it you know. Things don't make um, a ton of sense uh, for for certain projects, but I, I wouldn't like you know. I, th- I think Gary Vee said something like ninety eight percent of these projects are going to zero. I, that that seems a little strong. I, I actually think you know. I, I actually think a lot of um, you know um, a, a lot of major pro- projects will survive. Maybe ninety eight percent is actually correct because there's just so much crap out there. But I, I think for for the stuff that you know, is capturing the majority of the attention. I, I actually don't think it's like as um, as crazy as we're going to see. Like, I, I do think that we are going to see, you know, a million dollar CryptoPunk floor. I, I do think um, we, we are going to see certain projects um, that are, are able to be like to, to have a slow burn and, and kind of play out over over the course of like years, as opposed to like weeks. Um, you know, I, I think there's, and it really comes down to the teams. I think in many cases behind these projects, especially if it's if it's about utility, as, as it is with like you know things something like a board apes so, or um, you know because you know capturing the attention economy is always tougher. Um, but um, yeah, so I I, I would say. I would say I can see the I can see some signs of bubble, but I don't think we're at we're at anywhere near necessarily peak bubble. Wait, and then and then going off that, so so you do think that uh, the empty markets will become more, I guess, not not dominated, but quantitative type traders will enter the NFT markets in in a bigger way going forward. Uh, yeah, they 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 are. I think I think this is this is a process that's happening. You know, I do think there's. Um, it, it's, it's structurally different. It's not going to be HFT, right? So with, with HFT, there's a couple, you know, um, th- there, there's analogs. I think there's, it's definitely, um, a, a useful kind of model to think about is like, where is the NFT market now relative to the, you know, evolution of a lack of electronic markets, um, previously. And I guess I would say that, you know, the NFT market now, it, it feels sort of like, you know, um, 2007 actually was like the, the time that I started Gecko, where um, you know there's there is still a huge opportunity for new participants to enter. You know, uh, potentially there and there are you know kind of new venues that are coming online. It's about to you know it, it's it's about to there's about to start to be you know this idea of like um, uh, arbitrage and, and and sort of like thinking about um, data from from multiple feeds and, and you know order entry it's it sort of has a lot of the 
um, you know, risk management has a lot of this, this sort of same uh, elements in, in a way of, of HFT, but, but it's not, it's, it's going to be more, um, it, it's, it's a more pure form of trading. It feels more like actually like, um, like real estate uh, in, in a way, right? Because this, this asset is, it's inherently, um, it's inherently illiquid. It's, it's long only, um, you know, assuming it's trading on Ethereum, uh, primarily, um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I assume that over, over time that, that may be less true, um, especially for like layer one. Um, but, um, you know, uh, still, still true. Um, you know, layer, layer one exploits are, are like a big, are, you know, are, are a big facet here. So it's not exactly about speed, um, you know, tech edge in the same way that HFT was. It's much more um, uh, about intelligence in a way and, and actual like, like there, there is market making, but it, it, it requires holding risk. It requires balance sheet. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like a like a black stone um, for real estate type of thing, um, as opposed to, um, you know, uh, like like uh, algo trading or, you know, um, like algo market making. Um, and um, it's, you know, it's also long only. I think that's a that's a big um, that's a big deal here. Right. You can't really get. um you, you can't really get involved in the space unless you want to be long the space. And um, so you, so you have to think about, you know, risk that way. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I can, I can say a lot more if you want. No, I, I think, I think that, that was awesome. So, okay. So long-term, and I guess this, we're talking about crypto markets and NFT markets here, not, not traditional markets, but long-term do, do non-quantitative traders, uh, stand a chance. Like, I, I feel like, um, yeah. you know, I, I feel like humans cannot obviously outcompete can computers. And if we're kind of heading that direction where it's going to professionalize over time, then, you know, is, is humans only edge, you know, being long-term and patient essentially. Yeah, this is a, this is a great, great question. Um, so I, I think it has to do in part with the, the market cap, uh, you know, use it using market cap, applying it to NFTs that we're talking about. Um, so, you know, when you, um, you know, when, when you're talking about large cap, right, let's say large cap is like, you know, uh, CryptoPunk, Bored Ape, uh, Fidenza, Autoglyph, um, you're talking about large cap. I think long term the computer will 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 outcompete. Um, you know, there, there's probably just you know uh, not you know there's there's still going to be money for you know for retail folks because there's still a lot of you know kind of private private trades and um, OTC activity and this this sort of thing, um, but. I, I do think that there's, you know, if we're talking long-term, you know, con computer vision type type stuff coming into play, 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think you could, it, it, when the computer could tell you something is, is clean and, and you're wrong, um, if, if we're saying that's, that's a thing, then, then, then yeah, they're, they're, I, th I think, you know, you don't, you're, you're going to lose at that game. But um, I think that's quite a long ways away. And in NFT years, it's like centuries away. Um, and so I, I don't know if we, I don't know if we need to, to worry about it that like it, it, may, it may be like 10 years away right but that's like an incredible amount of time in, in this space um so so yeah i think there's still there's still a lot of edge in the meantime um in that tier in the in like the what i'll call like zero caps like basically mint, mint and like small caps i think it's you know it's still very it feels like it's you know it, it's in that realm where you you probably want to have like a combination um, where you're um, utilizing um, bots to do certain things, um, like you know, like when when you know, like um, like when when the mint auction, like you know, mint mint as many as possible, get get in um, the block you need to for the Dutch auction. You know, when it when it you know when it when it hits a certain price that it's going to go. Um, also, like, probably on the data side, you know, like a lot of this stuff is manual, right? There's all the memes about having to, like, you know, do like a, a ninja warrior obstacle course to to get the whitelist spot, you know. So I, I think I think there's some there's reasons to think that you're, you're going to have to have a lot of human edge involved in that process too um, for for the foreseeable future and potentially for the long term. So, but I mean, you know, let's just, let's just pretend we're like 15 years in the future. Do you think Citadel is going to be like trading JPEGs? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I, I don't 15 years in the future. Um, I think it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be different different players than Citadel would be my, would be my guess. Um, but they, they will, you know, they will have the, the, this, there, there will be a special, um, like a specialization in this space as there has been and kind of as, um, TradFi markets got more competitive, people kind of like went into niche trades. I don't, you know, I, I do think that, all right. I mean, 15 years in the future, let's say you have like five NFT venues, um, you know, for wh whatever the dominant, like, you know, Ethereum ecosystem, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, layer layer two or um, or maybe L1 is and, and you have a multi-chain NFT world and it's, you know, it's, it's much more kind of, um, based off of tech edges. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's impossible, but I, I think it's unlikely. Um, I don't think Citadel in particular, but like would, would, would jump, you know, I think jump will be in there before Citadel just cause Ken, Ken really hates crypto has, has hated crypto for a long time. And, um, actually the, the, the paradigm thing was really surprising to me. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think I think someone like that potentially would would be in the mix. But I, I don't think 
it necessarily plays to their edges. And I, I do think that, you know, although Jump is, Jump did get on board with, with crypto eventually, right? Like the idea of like, we want to be, we're, we're okay being long, like a ton of this stuff. And we'll treat it as kind of like an option and we'll, we'll hold, we'll be, we'll be long spot and we'll trade it. And I think you have to, to do that for JPEGs is harder. <laughs> it's harder. Um, so m- maybe, maybe they will, but I, I think it'll be other people. I think it'll be um, folks that are just coming out of the woodwork now. All right. So what do you, what are your thoughts on play to earn? I feel like that's a, been a pretty hot topic lately. And do you think the future of play to earn is just going to be like, again, like more, more quants kind of, figuring out the exact uh, mechanisms that are used to uh, earn that token reward and it's going to be just kind of all automated going forward? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I can't say that I'm like at the, at the forefront of understanding like, you know, botting in, in Axie and, and like how hard that is, or maybe, maybe if you can just have like a, have, have, you know, a quant model that feeds into, you know, the, the human is ba- basically the, you know, um, the, the translator for, for the quant model. Um, and you, you have a farm of that, you know, obviously the way that scholars are getting farmed, um, that's been, that's been interesting to see. I, I, I do think though that, um, I, I do think though that as games get better, um, you know, it'll, it'll probably look less like that. Like the, like the idea, like the, the earn part should feel like less, less, um, the, the reason you're playing the game and the game should have like complexity that's and, and interest that's on par with, um, sort of like your, you know, your big name esports um, type, type, type games, whether it's like a MOBA or RTS or something like that. And I think as that happens, um, you know, the, the risk of, of uh, kind of the, the bot farming of it, if, if I'm understanding correctly, I think that goes down. Interesting. Okay. So would you say, okay, so it's going to be kind of a mixture. It'll be humans and, and more automated systems that are involved in play to earn. Probably, yeah. If you're if you're if you're looking to automate it, but it, but it, you know, if the play to earn feels very, you know, it it, it just like doesn't really feel like the, you know, it, it's it's not it's a less of a distinction than I think maybe people, you know, the the game is much harder to like, you know, it, like you said, it's bot assistance. It's not like it's not like pure. Yeah, and then also one thing that I was thinking about was that like. A lot of these games, they if they know that you're botting or using automated systems, they'll ban your assets so you can no longer, you know, earn that reward or whatnot. Right. And in my mind, it's like the ultimate um, playground for developing a- advanced AI in the sense that, like, you there's such an immediate monetary incentive for getting some sort of AI that acts like a human. I'm not saying, like, talks like a human or whatever, but I'm saying, like, um, you know, that, that plays this game like a human and that will also maybe respond on Discord if like you ping this person, or respond on Twitter or whatever. Um, and like if if like yeah, I, I just I just think that that's a very 
immediate monetary incentive for people that know AI really well to develop these advanced bots to really try to uh, kind of skirt that system. It is, it is, you know, this, this, there's a lot of analogy analogies to online poker. Um, you know, um, as you're talking about this, you know, this has become an incredibly um, uh, prevalent problem um, in, in the current landscape of online poker because, um, you, know, you know, poker as is, is AI has is increasingly, increasingly solved the game. Um, the, the threat of bot assistance is way more real and it's, it's way more powerful Right. And, um, it, you know, if it's employed in an assistance fashion, it's it, it's becoming increasingly difficult to detect. Right. Like you can you could come to very good game tree solutions in, you know, 30 seconds that you need to make a decision. Um, so. So, yeah, I, you know, you you've, you've definitely seen some kind of drying up of the ecosystem because, like, no, you know, people that are playing for fun. <laughs> don't don't want to play against people that are that are playing like that right and so um i you know and of course in, in poker the the stakes are you know inherent inherently monetary and and so the the incentives are all there to to do it um you know they they have they have gotten pretty good at detecting like pure botting and i, I think that's um that's less of an issue on um you know on, on some of the some of the top sites but I, I do think like um, I, I do think for this type of game where the game tree is so well defined, it can be you know solved with you know reinforcement learning. Um, it's 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 tough. It's really tough. Um, but I, I do I do have a faith that for games that are more complex and where the game is iterating fast enough, and that you know like. The, the, the longevity of these games is not going to be like, you know, four years, five years. I don't think, I think it's going to be like a couple years. Um, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe the risks are smaller for that reason. Wait, so wait, why do you think that the, the longevity of these games is going to be small, you know, going to be a, a short few years versus, uh, some of those most popular games are around for 10 plus years. Yeah. You're saying like a, like a Starcraft. Starcraft, I think Minecraft is pretty old now. Roblox is really old. Uh, there's, you know, Age of Empires people still play. There's all sorts of games that people are still playing, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, 20 years uh, later. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right about that. Um, I, I just, I guess my feeling is just in the, in sort of the more like crypto side of gaming, the play to earn side of things. Um, may, maybe the, maybe the tokenomics will 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 slightly um shorten shorten the um the longevity um but but also you you could be right that if if we're getting to the level of like you know blizzard um you know launching a play to earn model you know and and not just like kind of these um these games where it feels a little bit more contrived it's 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 not like it's not a game that you would you would like if, if money were taken out of the equation, it's not a game you'd probably play. Um, if, if we're getting to that level, the, the Blizzard level, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right about that. Um, but I, I do kind of feel like 
the token bootstrapping, it just, it, it lends to like a, maybe a shorter longevity. No, and then, you know, very good point there. I, it's still yet to be determined how long these games will last and also that their token economies. And I also agree with you, like, if there was no monetary incentive, a lot of these games would not be played. But, you know, we have to keep in mind that the vast majority of people on Earth did not know about NFTs until this time last year. And then, you know, the, these these play-to-earn games, they're, they're, they're like one-year-old, if that, right? I mean, Axie's the oldest, and they're, they're what, three years old? So it's still, like, very, very, very early in, in games' life cycles. I mean, most games take two to three to four to sometimes even five years to actually develop. So I think that um, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I do think that there's going to be a lot of evolution. I do think that, uh, you know, people will start to play these games for the fun of them versus just the monetary incentive at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just can't imagine they're going to stay um, kind of this, you know, kind of boring forever. It, you're you're probably you're probably right about that. It, it seems like the natural the natural evolution, and it'll be interesting to see also with like, you know, the, the crypto polarization. You know, we we've seen, but it, it seems like it's really strong in the gaming community right now, and um, I I kind of am I, I'm kind of interested to see it see it evolve whether you know there, there's almost just like like a like a cultural um movement against you know against gaming involving you know moving in that way right like if like let's say that i, I can't remember what blizzard announced was it some kind of like a was it an mmo or um recently um but but let's say that they were like okay we're gonna make you know we're we're you know, making these token, we're, we're, we're going to make, um, all the assets, NFTs and make, you know, have, have an in-game economy. And maybe it's even like a play to earn, um, style, um, you know, kind of mechanic, you know, there, there would be a major lash out against that from a lot of the gaming community. And I, I wonder how strong it would be. And, and I'm, I, I don't, I don't know enough to, to know whether that's the kind of thing that it, it just sort of like, subsides over time it's just like you know eventually you know people warm up to the idea of nfts over like four or five years or if it's the kind of thing where like you know a a couple years or is it the kind of thing that's more like a you know a generational type of shift i don't what are your thoughts on that i mean the 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 meme is gamers hate everything new and they always have in the history of like the, the the gaming you know life cycle like it's like no matter what new models being introduced, whether you can buy crates, whether you can buy skins, whether you can buy, at first they're like very anti whatever that new thing is, and then like and then over time they, they kind of just start to adopt it. So I, I would imagine this will be like everything else. I do agree that gamers really hate this because they see it as like a, a pay to win, but um, but no, I, I think oh, that pay to win, yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's just in the nature of gamers to hate everything initially. And then kind of uh, and then adopted over time. And and in their defense, in like kind of mainstream gamers' defense, oftentimes you know when things are initially introduced, uh, it's it's not well you know created. It's kind of janky and there's bugs and, and maybe it is a pay to win system. Like I, I like they've been burned so many times that whenever there's a new model, they're like I, I don't know if we trust this right. But I I do think over time that they'll they'll just tend to, uh, tend to just 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 adopt that that new uh, new strategy, new 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 business model, etc. Yeah, two 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 thoughts that come branch off of this for me. One is like I, I actually feel like our current like the state of social media really you know c- contributes to this, right? It lends to this polarization um, of views, and not not just for 
you know, cer certainly for this application, but but you know, across across politics, across you know, crypto crypto layer ones. Um, there's just you know this uh, you know across NFTs in general, and then across gaming, it's you know there. If if you're engagement farming, engagement farming, this whole mechanic, right? If you do this as a meta game, engagement farming really kills the middle, is, is what it feels like to me. And because when when you're you know <laughs> your engagement farming, you want to like you know either you know make make people feel like feel rage or feel fear or you know some some kind of emotion right um like this will will increase your engagement and so um i think you tend to get like in in these systems especially as as you know twitter is like in in many cases um so, sort of like the the platform on which like ideas and um sort of takes or takes or um disseminated it, it kind of just like tends to create this rift where like you have two echo chambers and people just like mute and, and follow and, you know, unfollow folks that are, that are on the other side of it. And so that's, that's been kind of, uh, you know, disappointing to see. And, but also like in a way encouraging that, you know, there can be a, can be a web three take on these platforms that, um, you know, uh, potentially, you know, the algorithms aren't, aren't set up to just kind of like do that. Um, and then, you know, uh, Sorry, uh, the the other thing was oh oh um, uh, play to earn feels like a pay to earn uh, feels like a pay to win. Um, I, I I lost the other one. Uh, it'll come back to me. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, and then also you you said something a, a little bit back when we were talking about like the hey, fifteen years in the future, will Citadel be trading JPEGs? And you're like, yeah, well, it'll probably be jump, and and we were going off that route. So why do you think like? Do you think that it'll be the jumps and kind of the DRWs and these people of the world that are dominating in the future? Or do you think it'll be crypto native firms like, I don't know, like Alameda and like Paradigm or whatever that are that are dominating this, this the future of, of, of crypto markets? Of crypto markets in general or of um, or NFTs? Of, of crypto markets and then also we'll do NFTs separate. Yeah, I, I think so. I think for crypto markets, um, it, it it is going to be. Um, I, I think you're going to have your your share of you know cer certainly across centralized exchanges. You're it's going to be split, right? You're going to have a large share of kind of tradfi um, trading giants that that are in there. Um, just because their their models are better, right? They, you know, they they have um, ver various sources of, of alpha that they've um, kind of refined over decades in, in tradfi markets that are applicable to um, any type of market structure that looks like this. And so, um, and and of course with firms like firms like jump firms like citadel tower it's it's more of like a siloed model where um you know the leakage of that alpha is 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 not um is not um too severe as folks like let's say were to leave and and start a crypto native um version um 
So, um, so yes, I think they're going to maintain good, good share, but I do think that there's a large interplay between uh, sort of the um, centralized trading and, and um, more and DeFi, right? And I think when it comes to DeFi, I think the crypto native firms have, have a big advantage um, because, you know, it's especially in, you know, especially in Ethereum, um, you know, DeFi and, and even for, for L2s, it's, it's like, it's not, uh, you know, s similar to NFTs. Um, it's not as much about speed uh, anymore. Like the, la the layer one exploits, the dark forest, this stuff is like, thorny it's it's really it's really difficult to um d disentangle and, and make sense of if you're not like um you know if, if if you're not really on the nuances of of kind of every um every l1 that you're trading on and i think it's you know it, it lends more to folks that um so, sort of in the same way that futures have always been less regulated than than cash equities and therefore you know the, the level of kind of market manipulation and gaming is, is always greater there um th this is what you're dealing with in this but but you know it, it's actually like it, it's actually way way worse if you were to just like say take your naive quant model that's working on coinbase and just like decide you're going to like put, you know, start, start sending orders on, on like Uniswap with that model. Um, anyway, that's, that's just my, my take on that. And then on, on NF, so the, the question on NFTs is, do we, do we see sort of the current incumbents or, or kind of like crypto natives? Is that, is that what we're asking? Yeah. Like, like who's going to dominate the NFT markets in the future? Will it be like the Citadels and jumps or will it be kind of the Alameda's and the paradigms? Oh, oh, oh. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I, I feel like for someone like paradigm, they're going to, they're, they're going to like, um, when we're saying NFT markets, we're talking about, you know, the actual assets themselves or like, you know, kind of the, okay. The actual, the actual assets themselves. I don't, I don't think it's going to be paradigm just because I think for, you know, for, for their types of, you know, balance sheet and probably Alameda as, as well. Um, I, I'm not talking about specifically like those two firms. I'm talking about like, will it be crypto natives or will it be traditional oh, 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 I see. people? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I, I think, I think it will be, I think it will be crypto natives. Um, I, but I, I also think that it will be, um, it, it'll be interesting to see if it, you know, if folks emerge that can really, you know, apply, uh, quant models across the whole space in the same way and, and how soon that happens, because, um, I think, you know, the barriers to entry here are, are basically low to zero, right? Like anyone with <laughs> like 20 ETH can just jump in and like start, you know, start trading low cap NFTs and, um, you know, for, forming their own alpha or like write a bot. And so it, it's, it's going to be very, it feels to me like it, it becomes very um, much more niche. Um, the trades become much more niche. 
than you've seen in TradFi. And, um, you know, also some of these problems are harder, like they're, they're quant quantitatively a little bit less tractable. It's like, you're going to try to, you know, I, I, I do think, I do think folks should be, you know, taking quantitative approaches to like Twitter, um, Twitter data, you know, and, um, uh, you know, ideally discord, but that's like quite, quite tough. And, um, so, so my feeling is, uh, folks that are crypto native, um, that, you know, maybe, maybe are in this space of like gray box where it's not like completely, um, you know, like turned into like a, you know, like, like a, a Citadel black box model. It's more just like, um, okay, we have, we have inputs. Um, it, it's sort of like Optiver, if that makes sense. Like uh, Optiver, it's a little bit more like, and I actually think, gosh, there's some fascinating analogs. If you want to get into this, I could talk about this for a while. It's like, what asset classes do NFTs, like what, what are kind of the analogs to TradFi asset classes? But, but you know, Optiver is really um, kind of like owned the, this, this um, idea of having like um, sort of a systematic and, and extremely low latency trading approach but it operates on sort of these um curve parameters that are set somewhat discretionarily um because options are inherently like this very um thorny and dynamic um type of problem uh, type of product and, and they also suffer from sort of the same types of illiquidity that you see in in nfts and so um, it, it, and, and it's also extreme, but it, but at the same time, when something's out of line, it's extremely latency sensitive. And so I think you may see this type of an approach, um, be, be, uh, successful here. Wait. And then also you said that there, you, you think that there's some sort of traditional assets that trade in a similar manner to, uh, NFTs. Is that like real estate or what, 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 what is that? Well, yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're too, I think you're too, you know, big, big analogs are, you know, options in, in real estate. Right. And, and I, I love, I love options in a way, um, for this analogy because, um, they, they have sort of, um, you know, you, you can, they have for an NFT series, right? You, you have sort of the same um, types of dimensionality. Like the, the obviously, you know, like all the CryptoPunk prices are highly related to each other, right? And similarly to how you could think, I don't, I don't think the floor is necessarily like just the straight literal floor is necessarily the right way to think about it. But, but let's say it was, you know, you you can be like, okay, well, what's what's the floor? Um, what's kind of, you know, the, the skew would be sort of, uh, give, give you a sense of like, how, what is the um, multiple on that, that first thing, um, the, the floor that something that's in, you know, a top percentile is trading at, um, like, let's say a crypto punk at the, at the top, you know, 10th percentile or the top fifth or first percentile you know, the alien that traded for 8K, what's the, you know, what is the fair value of 8K ETH? What's the fair value of the multiple of the floor? Um, this this type of thing, right? And so as the curve moves, you know, just like an options 
curve as, as volatility moves, you know, kind of all of your prices theoretically should move in a certain way. There's probably also like other, you know, the curves can move in other ways too, right? Like, you know, um, uh, you know, male versus female punks, like dark versus light punks, um, you know, certain, certain attribute types that tend to be correlated. You know, this is, this is sort of has very similar feelings to options, but also when you enter a position, you're not getting out. The thing with options is you can short them. So that's like a, like a very nice problem from a hedging perspective. And that's why I think that in a lot of ways, this, you know, looks a lot like real estate, um, looks like real estate. So, you know, we, I, I could say, I could say a lot about this, you know, I, I think, um, I think that, you know, um, so Matt, Matt Huang, um, asked this question on, um, on, on Twitter recently, which was like something to the effect of if, if, you know, you showed up to this alien planet and you had to convert all your, all your money into like one of their assets, right. Either they're like alien stocks or, you know, precious metals or, or real estate, like which one and why. Um, and, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't say this, but this is like very similar to something that I've been thinking about for a while is it, it really feels like crypto is kind of like this, um, alternate, um, alternate, um, like it, it's like an extraterrestrial, um, economy. And we're sort of like in this UFO that's, you know, steadily like rising off of the ground. And, um, you know, so, so you're, you're able to kind of like, and, and, and so in this, in this other, in this other planet, like the asset classes, they, they exist. Um, but they're, they're very like, number one, they're just, we're just starting to form them. We don't really know exactly what they're going to look like, but, but, but we're, we're, you know, building the analogs. And so, you know, you, you have, of course, you know, your, your base kind of like, layer ones, right? And, and those, those would be, um, sort of your, your FX, um, in, in this world. And, um, but then on top of that, you know, you, you very quickly get to DeFi, right? With Ethereum and you start to think about, okay, like what are, you know, what is the fixed income? Um, what are, what are interest rates doing? And, um, you know, how does that play? Of course, everything is sort of on, sort of on crack in a way, right? It just, it's, it's not like, it, it, it's it's not like if you just draw kind of the skeuomorphic, uh, you know, uh, analogy and take it very very literally, you you, you might you might get you might get lost. But but you know, um, so so get you know, get, give it a little bit of um, kind of like room for this world is very strange, right? Things go operate on a very time dilated clip, right? So like you know, what is the what is the U.S. dollar? Like maybe if Ethereum um, is like is like, you know, the, the nation state that represents, you know, um, USD, right. Um, if, if Ethereum's like sort sort of, um, America in this, in this, uh, world, maybe Bitcoin is something like Switzerland, um, maybe, um, you know, Solana is something like, um, Singapore, maybe, you know, BSC is something like China, right. So, so you have kind of like these L1s as nation states and they're, they're corresponding, you know, economies, yield curves, currencies, um, equities are, are likely DAOs, right? You, you have sort of these entities that could kind of, um, uh, you know, 
basically accrue capital in the base currency, um, deploy it, you know, efficiently into initiatives and, and kind of grow, um, develop technology, so on, right? So you, you have kind of like this, this uh, world. Now, it's, it's, it's you know, to, to move from one country to another is a lot more seamless than it is in our world, right? Because you can, you know, you, you could be a cross-chain um, citizen quite easily. Yet at the same time, because of, you know, polarization, like a lot of times people do kind of tend to tend to, to move to, to, to more to one chain. And I think the reason that that will be, you know, there, there's a stickiness to that is NFTs, right? And I think NFTs um, really sort of start to constitute what, what we could think of as, as the real estate of, of this world. Um, you know, it, it is it is an asset that um, you you derive utility from. It's in it's in a scarce supply, um, at, at least for like an individual um, series, which you could think of as, as being sort of like a city, let's say. So like um, maybe CryptoPunks is is, you know, I, I, I think of CryptoPunks as number one. So maybe CryptoPunks is New York and um maybe like board apes is like la you have kind of like these different communities right and so and of course you can just like spawn you know what, what whatever like shit ft you want and hope that it, it turns into a city but like most of them won't right um but but you know ne nevertheless um there's there's this asset that has sort of like you know instead of just holding like your base currency of course you can hold just dollars in your in your um, <laughs> in your bank account, but, you know, as, as a citizen of, you know, Ethereum or of, you know, Solana or whatever, you don't want to do that, right? It's just not a good strategy. You, you, you want to deploy it and invest it into, um, you know, into, into assets that either generate a yield or have appreciation value. And so, um, yeah, I, I see, I see this as, as sort of, um, the way in which, um, NFTs define themselves as an asset class, and and when I say real estate, I don't mean just like you know as you as you could tell from from the analogies I made, I'm not really talking about um, you know virtual real estate. Although I, I do think I do think that is you know within the NFT category. I'm thinking more um, uh, more more kind of like um, openly about you know NFTs mapping to this real estate. Um, asset class. And so it's, you know, it's long only it, 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 you, you derive utility from it. It has, it has a fixed supply, right? Land is scarce in these highly desirable areas. It tends to appreciate for those reasons. The, the, the world is moving at a hundred X speed. One year is a century here. So, you know, you, you might like, you know, new, is, is New York, is New York still going to be like, you know, the, you, you know, um, like the, the, maybe, maybe the quote unquote, like best or dominant U.S. city in a hundred years, that's like pretty tough to say. Right. And so like, again, with these, with these, you know, that's how fast things are moving. Um, but as a result, it's also like, um, it, it's also equally exciting, um, as, as sort of, um, this, this asset class in this world economy. Awesome. Okay. So I think you mentioned that you were working on something within the crypto ecosystem. Now you're, you're trying to focus on building something now. Could you describe to me, or, I mean, I, I think it's still in stealth, but is there anything that you can talk about as to what you are doing and building in the space? 
Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, um, I, I've been in EIR at Wicklow for about 10 months. We've looked at, um, you know, so I, I, I've been working closely in conjunction with, with the Wicklow team. Um, and maybe, maybe if at, at some point in the future it makes sense, I can, um, talk about Wicklow's philosophy, but, um, re- really they, you know, the, 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 the vision is about building, um, you know, b- building sort of this, this concept of freedom through decentralization and um, sort of the next iteration of the societal operating system. And so um, that things like Web3, um, but, but also Capitalism3, as I alluded to earlier. Um, and so, you know, Wicklow doesn't think in a pure um, ROI maximizing sort of way. Um, you know, returns obviously matter, but impact matters too. And so that that's that's really resonated with me. And um, you know, in in sort of my search as an EIR, I started out in financialization of NFTs, um, thinking about um, you know uh, fractionalization and lending um, quite a lot. And um, this is sort of in um, early to mid last year when when you know fractional was launching and um, you know, we, we were sort of seeing, you know, a bunch of competitors emerging in sort of like, you know, um, NFT financialization 1.0, let's say. And, um, you know, after thinking about it a lot, it, it seemed it seemed like a harder, quite, quite, a, quite a tough problem to crack. And also, um, I wanted to think about something that could kind of enable um, more, um, you know, a, a safer uh, and and more you know reputation based Web three um, that is you know not as um, susceptible to um, the level of of kind of like um, you know unscrupulous um, behavior you know kind of like um, um, that, that that we've been seeing in um, especially, you know, in, in NFTs, but not, not as, um, exclusive to NFTs, just in the space in general, um, of, of late, you know, Beanie, um, Sifu, like, you know, I guess, um, many others, um, smaller and, 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 uh, large examples as well. But, you know, you, you can see that in this, in this world where, um, folks are acting pseudonymously and, you know, you have sort of, um, uh, you know, t- Twitter, Twitter clout is, is maybe the, um, barometer of reputability, um, you, you can get into, um, you know, and, and also in, in, in many ways is like the, the, um, driver of the attention economy. You can get into a lot of, um, thorny, thorny situations like this. And so, um, this is sort of the motivation for, for what I'm working on right now. Um, you know, I, I um, am, am looking to enable uh, reputation um, as, as sort of a, a, a primitive. And um, it has relationships uh, to NFTs, um, as, as you can imagine, you know, with, with um, NFTs, we've had some social, you know, some, some unlocks. Right in terms of um, kind of the um, cohesiveness of these communities, and um, 
in particular, our first our first take on this is likely to um, focus um, more on um, sort of uh, financial credibility as as the cornerstone of that reputation. Um, although, of course, there's many facets to reputation, but um, building that out, leveraging NFTs. So that's that's kind of just the, the through line. Um, and um, it's it's myself and um, a co-founder that I'm um, extremely excited about, but I, I won't I won't dox him at this point. And um, we yeah we're we're uh, we have an approach that we have um, you know I, I've I've intentionally been a bit vague in, in in you know describing this, but we have an approach that is generating a lot of interest. Um, I you know every conversation that I've had with the DeFi OG. Um, you know, they've, they basically not only wanted to invest, but are, but are like, you know, legitimately interested. It's, you know, some of the problems we're trying to solve, you know, as you know, have never been solved before and despite many, many attempts, but, but they think that this approach is novel and worth trying. Um, uh, Kane Warwick is advising our thing, um, actually meeting with them a little later today. Um, and, um, and yeah, we're, we're just, um, we're just getting started here and, um, we're, um, looking to build a team as well. So, um, so yeah, if any of this sounds exciting, um, you know, feel free to drop me a DM. Amazing. Well, I'm super excited to, to learn more. Hopefully you can uh, reveal more in the future and, and come back on the pod to, to, to chat about what you've been doing and building. But I, I understand now you have to kind of keep it more low key for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th thank you. You know, I, I appreciate that. And um, also, um, also, you know, the, all of all of the questions of discussion um, here have been have been, have been um, very um, have been great. How are we doing on time? Happy to happy to talk more, but leave it to you. Yeah, no, I, I luckily uh, that was last one until a closing question, so it's actually perfect timing. So, all right, let's just let yeah, we'll just jump right into it. All right, so what is your single favorite NFT that you own? Oh, <laughs> this is actually a really tough. Um, a really tough um, uh, moment uh, to ask this question. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm I'm very torn between my my uh, my top hat CryptoPunk, which is my my uh, PFP. Um, if if you uh, if you look me up on Twitter, Dilip.eth, um, and my um, uh, and my one app Cowboy, and um, I think you know, like it's it's really neck and neck. Um, both of these um, attributes are, you know, I personally identify with, but I also think you know are, are meaningful for another reason, which is that there are um, you know kind of private um, uh, you know punks communities around them, and um, so you know there's uh, one you know for for cowboys there's uh, a community called Ranch Dow, and um, you know just um, I don't know, really, really uh, vibe with folks that are in there and we're, you know, uh, talking about alpha and, um, also, um, in the, in the process of exploring, um, actually buying, uh, buying a ranch, like a, a multi-million dollar ranch. Um, so we're like, yeah, it's like a lot of legit, like, um, NFT OGs and, and, you know, DeFi OGs and, um, yeah, so that's, um, I, that would be, yeah, pretty much a toss up there. Awesome. All right. What is the most controversial thought relating to crypto or NFTs? 
Well, I, okay. I, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say it this way. Like <laughs> web three has the potential to be worse than web two. That, that would be it. Um, and I think, I think it also has the potential to be far greater. Um, and it's up to us to build it and determine that. Wow. Okay. So wait, can you dive a little bit deeper as to why it could be worse? Yeah, I, 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 you know, as you know, we're, we're highlighting, um, in, you know, in, in, in talking about, um, in talking about what I'm building, I, I do think that, um, the, you know, while we have gained some, um, some very real advantages, right. You draw, you know, you listen, listen to someone like a Chris Dixon and they draw kind of like this, um, kind of, um, curve of, of kind of incentives over the adoption cycle of, of you know a new tech and web three how that's better it makes sense um also this idea of like you know web two it's maximally extractive web three is minimally extractive so like you know um this is you know this is what you know the new world that these entities will look like right um but i i do think that you know well no, number one easier said than done um you know i think a lot of you know a, a lot of the thornier parts of, you know, um, search and um, kind of like um, uh, feed algorithms. It's just it's just going to be very hard to, to fully decentralize all of that. Um, but I, I, I do also think that um, in this new world, there are a lot of risks to um, sort of your your less your less sophisticated and new, newer entrants, right? And for some of the reasons that we were talking about with, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of pseudonymy and the way that that things work, you know, it, it, it's, there's there's like major um, risks of, you know, not, not, just, not just fund loss, but um, also like, um, you know, uh, b- basically uh, loss of work, loss of, um, reputation. And I, I do think that, um, you know, as we, we've seen, like the levels of, of kind of scams that are possible have just gotten more sophisticated. Um, I, I can't remember, um, I can't remember who it was, but this guy just tweeted this thing about how he, you know, I think he had a 123 mil in, in, um, Ave Weth in his wallet. He's like a founder of some project. And then like, basically this like team of like, four or five individuals um, ran a very long con to get him to, to basically eventually like accept and stake an NFT to his main wallet. And it had to be his main wallet because that was like the, the, the one that like was, was um, you know, public and would, would make the project. And, and they referenced people from the real world that he knew. And like, they just, they like pulled out all the stops and it was like a multi-week con and then eventually, you know, he, he read the code that, you know, he was for the staking and it basically meant, you know, all of his, his AWF was going to them. Um, and so he, he dodged it, but, but this is the type of thing that is way too heavily incentivized right now. And I, I also think that, you know, as, as we're talking about equity, you know, just to start this whole thing, like it's not clear on the surface that these markets are more equitable than TradFi markets. And, but we, we can make them that way. Amazing. Love that. All right. Last question. Where do you see the NFT ecosystem in three years? Um, I, I think we're going to see, 
you know, um, I, I think we're going to see many more applications of NFTs. Um, I, I, I hope than, you know, right, right now, very heavy on sort of like, um, you know, PFPs, um, as well as, you know, generative art, you know, generative art, but, but art. And um, I, I think we're going to see things that are in, you know, like the social graph, um, potentially, right? Like, um, experiences and events are all, you know, in, in some ways um, are, um, you know, ha have NFT-like uh, properties. Um, you, you can see things that are more in like, um, as, as FBF, uh, SBF mentioned on a podcast recently, sort of this impact certificate idea, um, which, um, you know, if you, if you saw how, you know, Assange Dow did this thing where they bought an NFT and then that the, the proceeds of that then went to the legal, it was like, you know, slightly indirect. So you'll see, see stuff like that potentially. Um, also things in science, like trying to, you know, like DSI is doing um, some interesting um, uh, work with basically trying to make, um, you know, uh, reproducibility basically introduce this um mechanic to make a highly incentivized reproducibility of um scientific results because in empirical sciences um apparently there's just like a huge you know like for a lot of for a lot of reasons right like the same reasons that you you might say something on twitter that you don't like isn't like the truest representation of your of your belief because it, it generates more, it generates more engagement. You're seeing that in science, right? And so um, you're seeing these results that are coming out that, you know, maybe get a lot of buzz, but then are just like not reproducible. Um, and that's like, you know, that's, that's just like a major um, problem to kind of the, the fundamental basis of knowledge and growing that. But then, but then also like, you know, scientists, you know, folks in academia, similar to folks that are in um f f folks that are in like uh creators um artists you know they're they're not um you know i think you could argue that they're not um compensated uh adequately from a from a you know um societal value perspective um and so you know can, can we create an economy for that you know can nfts be do do accomplish something like that um, so I, I think, you know, these, these are some examples. I think you'll see better financialization of NFTs. I think financialization 1.0, um, you know, it's, it's, it works, um, functionally, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have penetration. And so I think we're going to see that, um, you know, we've, um, you know, not, um, not intended as a shill, but, um, you know, uh, within, uh, lending, um, there's this project Fungify um, that that we've backed um, as Wicklow. Um, that is, um, they they have this this new model um, for, you know, basically NFT lending. It's it's much more the algorithmic model, like a like a compound, um, but it's it's just incredibly it's it's elegant, right? Like the way the way they've they built this model, it's it's 
different and better than anything I've, I've seen out there that's, that's tried to do this. Um, so I, I do think that could we get to a world where a large percentage of NFTs, even high value ones are um, being, you know, are, are, are being um, staked, are being, um, you know, are, are being collateralized and, and barred against and those those unlocks in liquidity. I think that that will be a thing. Um, and I, I don't know about fractionalization. I know I know Andy's doing some some exciting stuff um, at Fractional, and I know there's other folks that that have different takes on this. Um, so so we'll see there. Um, let's see. Uh, and, and then I, I guess in the markets, you know, I think we're going to see, you know, uh, the, we're we're going to continue to see the um, fight for the attention economy, and it, it's you know, unfortunately, like people don't have the ability to, I think, think about like 30 different things at once, right? Like it, it, it seems like maybe like five to 10 projects, but that's kind of like, like they're, they're all like fighting for, for like a pretty narrow, like, um, spot. You know, maybe, maybe they're in like, a like in an octagon or like on a ring and in, in the ring and they're trying to like push each other out type of thing. And it's, you know, like there's, there's scarce attention. So I, I do think we'll see, you know, cert, uh, you know, a select set of NFT projects kind of um, solidify their position as blue chips. And we'll see a lot of churn in the other stuff. Awesome. Dilip, this, this is like a crash course in everything markets, traditional finance, crypto finance, et cetera. It, it was an absolutely awesome conversation. I'm, I'm like blown away from everything. But thank you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. If people want to find out more about yourself, find out more, find out more about what you're working on. Where should they go? What should they do? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think, uh, like yourself, I mostly live on Twitter these days. So um, at at DDoS Attack, or you can just type in dilip.eth, um, and uh, and you can find me. Um, and uh, yeah, Andrew, like likewise, I mean, I've re- I really enjoyed this, and I um, I appreciate you um, thinking of me and having me on and. Um, ho- hopefully, once you're getting some better sleep, we can um, we, we can uh, meet up in person. Amazing, man! Thank th- again. Thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome. Appreciate it. Cheers. Hey everyone, stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.